0: following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I believe God wants to show us some things today. The Bible says He's got great and mighty things we know not of, um, and if you're like me, the journey is trying to always discover, God, what are you up to, and what are you doing, and How can we get in on the fullness of what you have for your people? Uh, It's such a driving, I believe, burden in the hearts of people that sometimes we worry about getting in on the things God has for us. Sometimes we worry about things like provision or what's going to happen with this. And Jesus spoke so clearly to our worries when Jesus looked at the people and he sees us today and he sees worries or concerns or the weights that we carry, he says, I got a solution for all of that because I see what you're carrying. And he said very clearly to us in Matthew 6, he says, listen, if you seek first, first, my kingdom and living right, all these other things you're worried about, they're gonna be added to you. I'm gonna handle all the things you need Everything you're worried about, everything you stress about, everything that takes up all that time or keeping you awake at night, God's like, listen, I I know your needs before you even ask. If you put me first, if you put me first, me and my kingdom first, I got you covered on the rest. And so we've been unpacking this. We're doing a series on what does it even mean to seek first the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? And it's such an important topic because Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than any other topic in scripture. All of the parables are about the kingdom of God. And he wanted us to know what the kingdom of God is. I, I remember this is such a, a passionate area. Uh, we're launching this series. You're gonna be hearing more topics, really great insights, really golden nuggets, little treasures over the next couple of weeks about the kingdom of God. Uh, when I was a youth pastor uh, 16 years ago, I um, I prayed about, Lord, what do you want me to take these teens through? What, what level of training? And I just felt God say, take them through the kingdom of God. And we just spent a year uh, exploring the kingdom of God. It's like this and it's not like this. And this is who gets in and who doesn't and why we get in and why we don't and how we thrive in the kingdom and how we don't thrive. And there's so many beautiful aspects about God's kingdom I think it's really important to to take us through them as as a family of believers, as sons and daughters of God, to really explore what Jesus took so much time to tell us about, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is simply the reign of God. It's the reign of God. And the day you and I step into God's reign, the day you and I respond to his love is the day we enter into the kingdom of God. It's the reign of God. There's some people... They look at it and they don't step into it. They don't acknowledge God's reign, God's love. They don't make him the king of their life, so they're outside of the kingdom. So you and I are walking next to people all week long that some are in the realm of the kingdom and some are not in the realm of the kingdom. And it's a parallel universe. It's available for them right now. But do they recognize it? And do they honor what God is offering? And that's what we're talking about today literally looking at the magnitude, the beauty of the kingdom and how you and I partake of these things. Um, the kingdom of God is for anyone who chooses to live under God's power and authority, his power and influence. Um, and so today, if you have your Bible with you, Matthew, Matthew 13, uh, verse 44 through 46, we're gonna be looking at some of these dimensions of God's kingdom. And I think this is where, really where it begins. Uh, it really begins with perspective it really begins how we see the kingdom. And I say that because some people don't see the kingdom. They, they see it or they reject it or they don't understand it. But others tend to look and say, wow, I get it. God is a God of love. He's the creator. He's the lover of my soul. He formed me in my mother's womb. He knows me better than I know myself. His plans for me are to prosper me, give me a hope and a future. Wow, how can I not come under his realm of influence? How could I live outside of that? And many of you had to make that decision. I know many years of my life I lived outside the realm of God's kingdom and I wanted to do things my way until I finally realized just how amazing and loving and powerful he was and that it was time to stop fighting the king. Because that's what this thing is about. You either acknowledge the king and come under his realm of influence and his love and his power and his ways or Or you kind of fight it and i know because i fought the king and guess what you don't win when you fight the king you can't fight the king and win and and so god pursued me with his love and kept pursuing me and i finally said i'm holding up the white flag god (laughs) i'm not going to fight you anymore i surrender and that was the most beautiful day of my life the most liberating day of my life is when you hold up the white flag to the king of the universe and come under his realm but some don't see the kingdom, they don't appreciate the kingdom, and I want to ask you, what do you see when you see the kingdom? These parables right here we're looking at are going to give a little insight to what is really going on with the kingdom and what it looks like. Uh, Matthew 13, uh, 44, normally we have this for our projector, but we had a little glitch in the back on a technical level, so... Uh, we're, we're lacking the graphics and supplement today, but here it goes like this. Matthew 13:44, you can look. there's Bibles in the pews. you can use your device uh, to follow along. But Matthew 13:44, "The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, Jesus talks about the kingdom more than anything else. And all of the parables are about the kingdom. And in this parable, he starts out saying, the kingdom is like a treasure. It's this amazing, valuable thing to behold. It's like a treasure. And anytime Jesus shares a parable, it's shared in a way that you and I, when we hear the story, are supposed to say, wow, that's interesting, which person am I in the story? Am I that person? Am I the spectator? And and usually there's different people and things going on and we figure out where we fit into God's story, God's kingdom. And in this case, this man discovers a treasure and he recognized that it was so valuable, so valuable that he was gonna do everything he could to secure it because he saw the value in it. So imagine this, I don't know what you're willing to do to secure the kingdom. And I wanna be clear, the kingdom of God is made available as a free gift. Jesus offers his grace free, you can't earn it, you can't buy the kingdom of God. However, when it's made available to you, this amazing treasure, there are costs and things we do to fully obtain and appreciate and get in on the dimensions of the kingdom of God. It starts with recognition if we recognize it. Just how valuable is the kingdom of God to you? How valuable is it? Is it something you walk by and go, yeah, that's good. That's a good principle in theory. And I like the idea. Or is it something that you look at the God's kingdom and go, wow, look at the magnitude and the beauty of this thing. Look at the capacity of what God can do through his love among us in this city, through this reality of his kingdom. I mean, how do we see the kingdom? What do you see when you see the kingdom of God? This guy saw a treasure and did everything he could to get a hold of it. Pretty amazing. Um, Imagine this. Imagine you're walking through a field and you see a couple of rocks stacked on each other. looks a little odd. So you you walk over to the rock and you pick up the top one and you, you find a lottery ticket. That's weird. Take out your phone, take a picture, put it back. Maybe it belongs to somebody. You remember, you go home, you remember months later like, oh yeah, there's a lottery ticket out in that field. Let me pull that up online. You pull it up and you go, unbelievable, that's a $5 million winning lottery ticket and someone didn't claim it. So you go back to the field to go get that ticket. And at this time, it's fenced and it's guarded. And there's a sign posted saying that the owner died and the field is up for auction. What are you gonna do To get that field, what are you going to do to get that ticket? Because you realize the value, you'll do anything to get that field and get that ticket. And I want to encourage you the kingdom of God is so much more valuable than that. And that is the point the value of the kingdom. When you see the kingdom, do you see the value of it? Because if you see the value, you don't just want to be a believer who has heaven as a reality. You want to get all up in the kingdom. You're like, I, I, want to gra- I want to embrace this. I want the fullness of it if you realize the value of the kingdom of God. And some do and some don't. I want to encourage you this morning to, to embrace the value of the kingdom. It moves on in uh, verse 45. Uh, Javi? Javier, would you mind turning this, this AC on up here? Um, I'm sorry, it got a little hot in here, thanks. Um, Matthew 13, verse 45, the next verse is Jesus is talking about, again, the kingdom and what it looks like, and do we appreciate it? Do we see the value? And, and he's trying to stress this point and says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So the merchant is looking for the right one. Not just anyone, he's looking for this very special one. I know there's people going through lives looking for spiritual truth and trying a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, they, they, they usually want the real thing. They don't want one of the choices. They want what is true. What is, what is the, the true revelation of God? Where does it exist? This guy's looking for pearls, and he's like, I don't want any pearl. I'm looking for a special pearl, and he finds one, it says right here, of great Value. He found one of great value. And so after many years, he comes upon this thing. And is he willing to let this thing go? No, he too is gonna to do whatever he's gotta to do to fully make this thing happen. And so you can insert yourself into this story right here. When he found the one of great value, he went and did this. When he found the one of great value, he went away and what? And you can put your own name in there. When you found the one of great value, when you found King Jesus, when you found his kingdom, when you discovered his ways, his love, his power, when you discover it, we went away and did what? Because this is where the narrative of your life begins to play out. When you discover the beauty and the value and the magnitude of the kingdom, we go away and do what? If we recognize the value, it changes us. But if we don't recognize the value, we don't go away and do much different other than thank you, God. That was awesome. I believe. But when you recognize the value, the magnitude of the value, you you go away compelled. The love of God compels us and propels us and motivates us and constrains us and does all kinds of cool, amazing things In this story, this guy recognized it. If you're a note taker this morning, and I encourage you guys to write these down, there's a place in the bulletin or put them in your phone, but this is what the kingdom looks like. Your kingdom come, your will be done, God. This is what it lays out like. Um, The kingdom comes and his will is done. First point this morning, when we recognize and act on the kingdom's full value, when we really, really recognize the value of the kingdom, And then also act on it. We can look at it and not recognize the full value or maybe we recognize, wow, that is valuable. I get it, God. The kingdom is, it's got a profound value. But do we act on it? I would suggest to you, the kingdom starts moving in your life. The kingdom of God will come and God's will will be done in your life and around you if and when we recognize and act on the kingdom's full value in this parable, that's exactly what Jesus is telling the crowd. Two stories of people who fully recognize the value of the kingdom and acted on it. And I would encourage that we do the same thing. You know, last week we looked at a, a few principles to build on this that whoever believes in me, Jesus said in John fourteen, twelve, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. If you believe, we do. He didn't say just believe and don't do. He said, if you do really believe, you'll take this to heart. You'll see the value of the kingdom and we'll do the works. Everyone say do the works. If you believe in me, we'll do the works. So there's, a, there's this thing about motivation in God's kingdom. Uh, if we acknowledge identity with King Jesus, we engage in doing uh, the works. We move from believing to fully participating. We let God's initiatives become our initiatives and our mission becomes God's mission. There's there's an embracing, God, I see the value of your kingdom. Wow, I didn't realize it. And yes, I want your kingdom to come in my life and the lives of others. I want your will to be done. I'm, I'm ready to engage, God. I'm moving from believing in my mind and heart into engaging. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you will do the works at some point family we got to move beyond believing in our mind and our heart to engagement. Jesus said if you believe you will do the works. He's saying the kingdom's at hand but do the works of the kingdom. Participate with me in the expansion and mobilization of my kingdom. And that's just the heart of God this morning for us to uh, get a get a grasp on what he's talking about. It's been said We will never find fulfillment in life until we begin to live in God's kingdom by God's power and for God's glory. We'll never find fulfillment until we begin to live in God's kingdom by God's power and for God's glory. I believe that's true. I think we were made for exactly that. There's one thing you get this morning, get that. We were made to live in God's kingdom. That's the will, it's the heart of the Father. By God's power to not try to do this thing in our own strength and for God's glory. When God gets the glory, he's pleased. He does even more. When man gets the glory, we rob God of the glory he deserves. It's really, really important. And when Jesus taught us to pray on the kingdom, because he's talking about the kingdom all the time, he taught us to pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? You guys familiar with that? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He put them together He put these together for a reason, and this is a beautiful snapshot, because when the kingdom comes, God's will gets done, and when God's will gets done, the kingdom comes. Let me explain this a little bit more. When God's kingdom comes into your own life, when you say, God, I believe you, I see the kingdom of great value, I see what you did, your provision, I'm coming into your kingdom, I'm going to make you the king. I'm coming into your realm of your authority, your influence, your love, your power. I'm not ruling my own universe. I'm getting off the throne. I'm entering the realm of your kingdom. When you start to live in this place of his kingdom, that is God's will being done. At the same time, his kingdom is coming. Now, there's more areas in our life where we could say, God, would you let your kingdom come, God, into my decisions? Would you help my decisions to be about your kingdom? Let your kingdom come into my decisions. God, let your kingdom come into my schedule. Let let your kingdom come into my plans, God. Let your kingdom come into my relationships, God. Let your kingdom come into my job, into my, my, my ways of life, God. Let your kingdom come. And when you ask God to let his kingdom come into your life, guess what? God's will will get done in greater and greater ways in your life, And here's the beauty, as you begin to ask God for his kingdom to come in greater and greater ways, his will is going to get done in your life. And listen, when you see God's will getting done, you're going to say, look, the kingdom is coming into the lives of others. This is a beautiful reciprocation, the way this works out, thy kingdom come, thy will being done. If you want to do God's will, let his kingdom come into your life. And when you let his kingdom come into your life, you're gonna see that God's will gets done. And when you see God's will getting done, you're gonna see the kingdom coming into the lives of others. It's a beautiful snapshot. And Jesus said, you wanna know about the kingdom? This is how it happens. This is how it's on. When you say thy kingdom come, thy will be done, it's a beautiful partnership of more of God in us and more of his outflow out of us and as a result there's more of God in others and more of an outflow. Does that make sense? The kingdom coming and in his will being done. This is what we're called to do. And so the second point this morning if you're a note taker is God kingdoms God's kingdom comes when his will is being done. You want to see the kingdom come? Start doing his will. I think of yesterday the 30 gals that were here that don't have a mom or a dad, aunt, uncle, most of them don't have anybody because they're fosters, they're orphans. And because they're orphan kids, if they had somebody, they'd be living with them and that would be their adoptive parent. But the system is raising these kids and some of these girls were as young as 12 to 16, 17 and having a child and no family and love to swarm them because the system is raising them. So the people of God recognize True religions looking after the orphans, amen? So let's throw a party for them. Let's shower them with love and with gifts and all of them left with new strollers and so much stuff. They just couldn't believe. They're all walking out like, this is amazing. Why did you guys do this? Because we love Jesus and Jesus loves you. That's why, that's all, that's why but when you do God's will his kingdom comes and his his kingdom came into the lives of others by doing his will i would just encourage you there is a there's a there's a tie in here that you can't separate with the kingdom coming and God's will being done and that's really really important so if you want to see God's kingdom come you, we start doing his will and it will be an outflow of everything God's done for us here's the next point if we love God if we really love God we need to love his kingdom Some people separate. If we love God, we ought to love His kingdom. Jesus said, I see your worries. I see the doubts. I see concerns. I see needs. I'm going to handle all of it for you. Would you do this? Seek first my kingdom, my kingdom, my reign. My, my love, my, my overarching banner over society and all creation that I love, and I want people to come under it and recognize the lordships and my provision. I want them to know my love, my forgiveness, my mercy, my grace, my gifts. I want them to know all of these things. Come under it. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first my realm, this realm of God in your life. Seek that first. Everything is going to be handled but if we love God, we should love his kingdom. He put the kingdom right there in the front. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. And so we can't exempt God from his kingdom. We can't accept the, uh, exempt the king from the reign of the king. The king is central to his reign. His reign is here and the king is in the middle of it. God is the king of the kingdom of God. And so we shouldn't have this uh, idea that, well, I love God, but I don't really know about his kingdom. No, if we love God, we ought to love his kingdom. And if we love his kingdom, we will wanna see his kingdom advance. We will wanna see his kingdom thrive. We will wanna see his kingdom grow. We will wanna see others get in on the benefits and the love of God in his realm, in his kingdom. Um, And the way God designed the kingdom This may challenge some of your thinking this morning. God designed the kingdom. It's his kingdom, right? God designed the kingdom. When Jesus came, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. And then they started saying the kingdom of God is at hand. And the kingdom of God is here. Now it's a matter of it's among you. Do you want to step into it? You can step into it. It's right here, right now. The realm is available. But the way God designed the kingdom is to be manifest, multiplied, and spread out by the church, by the church. Many people don't know if you went around saying, hey, so what do you think of the church? There's a lot of ideas out there. There's a lot of philosophies about the church, what the church is, what it's not, what it should be. But what a lot of people forget is the church is God's idea. The church is God's plan to society. The church is God's assembly to manifest his kingdom, to spread his love and power throughout the world. That's God's idea. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said this, I tell you that you are Peter. He was talking to Peter on this conversation. He says, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Peter's having this conversation. Jesus says, who do you say I am, Peter. And Peter says, you are the Christ, which means Messiah. You are the Messiah, Son of God. Everyone say, Messiah, Son of God. Yes. Bam, on that statement. He said, no one reveal that to you, Messiah, Son of God. You got that from God. You, you get it, you get it. It wasn't because someone told you. You get it and you received it. And that is rock solid foundational truth. And on that rock of what you just said, that foundation, I am building my church on that statement you guys just said is the foundation for the church of Jesus Christ he says i am building my church with others who also believe you're the messiah the son of god i'm building my church and the gates of hell which are real they're not going to prevail against it because he doesn't have authority over the church oh yeah there's little attacks and there's little pop shots for god and his peop- for god's people in the kingdom but the gates of hell cannot and will not prevail As God is building his church. So the church is God's idea. Jesus says, I am building my church. Who is building it? And what is he building? His church. The church is his idea. The church is Jesus' idea. It's his plan. It's his design for reaching the world. Which leads to our fourth point this morning. Because I think it helps us understand his kingdom in a better way. The fourth point this morning is, if we love the kingdom, we should love the church. If we love the kingdom, we should love the church. You know, some people say, Well, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. You, you guys have heard that before, right? There's a lot of people have that. Yeah, I'm good with God, but the church. No, 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 no. In fact, that mindset is growing more now in our society than ever in the history of 2,000 years of the Christian faith. We have never seen, like, and it, by the way, it's a ploy of the devil. It's a ploy of the devil to try to, he divides to conquer. He gets sheep out of a congregation where we have safety and we have unity and we have all this other stuff to take people. He's been doing it for years to divide to conquer. But there is a a mindset now in general around the country and around the globe of, yeah, I got my thing with God, but I'm disassociated from any family of believers. And it's rampant. It's widespread. It's kind of like a spiritual disease in the church. It's not, it's not the heart of God. Heart of God is saying, don't forsake the gathering, come together, let there be unity in my spirit. I'm going to move among my people in a plurality, just like the day of Acts, like he always does. This is the way he designed the kingdom of God, to, to move through the church, the gathering of people, not just this church, every church that lifts up the name of Jesus, every church that says you are the Christ, the son of the living God, bam, that's the foundation where he builds his church. And he does it in this assembly where there's a diversity of gifts and diversity of personalities and and, and different talents and and God does his thing through all of us. But, But his idea was this assembly. Yet some people say, I love Jesus, but I don't really like the church. And I just want to remind you, that is like saying, I love Jesus, but I don't like his bride. Picture this. You walk into a wedding reception. You walk up to the bride and the groom. The bride and the groom are right there. You step in front of the bride and block her. And you say to the groom, hey, really good to see you. Awesome. And walk away. Would that not be the rudest snapshot of a reception we could ever have? And yet, that's some people's view of the bride. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And gentlemen, in your mind, if you're thinking bride with a dress and a veil, no, Get over that. The bride is the love of Jesus' soul, the love, the apple, or the apple of God's eye. He loves the church, the people of God, the called out ones. The ecclesia is the name in Greek. We're the called out ones of God. we we were in the world, but we're called out and now we're in His realm, in His kingdom, under His love, under His reign, under His protection, His provision. We're in this other dimension. We are the bride. So get rid of the dress kind of concept in your mind. Gentlemen, you're part of the bride too. And when Jesus came, he came like a lamb. But he's not coming back like a lamb. He's coming back like a lion. He's coming back like a lion and he's on your side. You want that lion on your side. You are the bride, gentlemen and ladies. We're all the bride. The church is simply the bride. If you're part of God's church, if you're in his kingdom, you're part of the bride, you're part of the church. And we have to stop thinking different. Well, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. It's like, that's part of what the enemy wants to do is to get us to have a different view of God's church. Jesus said, I am building my church. And the enemy's saying, ah, you don't don't need any of that stuff. Get away from that mess. Just have your own little personal thing with God over here. And he knows that like fish, we become the climate of the water that we swim in. Like fish, if you raise the water temperature, the fish get warmer. You chill the temperature and the fit. That's that's what happens. When we're around other believers, we're fanning each other in the flame, getting on fire for the cause of Christ. We're getting rallied up and we're getting filled up with the spirit. And we we get the mission, the aim, the filling, the love, the power. But when we're isolated, we tend to just kind of find our own climate out there somewhere. The enemy knows that. This is really important. Because of this, we need to know that Jesus died for the bride. Jesus rose for the bride. He's coming back for his bride. You are part of the bride, the body of Christ, the church. We are, we are. So we better start appreciating the bride and honoring the bride. We should start appreciating and having some respect for the bride. I don't mean just this church, other churches. Be careful how you talk about other churches. Be careful how you talk about the bride. It's, Jesus is saying, that's my bride. We just gotta be careful. Does that make sense, guys? We gotta be careful how we treat the bride. We're not living in a time where we can just disrespect and blow off the bride. I love Jesus, but I don't like, no, those days are over. That was a, that was a disease that the enemy's trying to creep into the church and the mindsets, and we just need to put that one where it belongs. That's not the spirit of God saying, I don't like the bride, I don't like the church. That's stuff we gotta work through, Jesus said, I love the bride. I'm coming back for the bride. And by the way, you're part of it. And since you're part of it, be careful how we honor and respect and treat the bride. Um, So as the church, the kingdom of God is carried out through us. As the bride, the church, the, the kingdom is carried out through us. God gives gifts. He gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip all God's people for these works of service So there might be a display of the kingdom in some profound and glorious way. That's God's design of the church to equip, to empower, to send, to infiltrate the world with God's love and his power and his grace, his message, his mission. That's God's heart for the church to do this. So the fifth point this morning is if if we're in God's kingdom, we're called to support the work of God's kingdom. If we're in the kingdom, We're called to support the work, the work of the kingdom. Yesterday was a beautiful display of God's kingdom. His kingdom come and his will being done. And there was support. There was probably over $5,000 of resources that were able to be given away because there was support for the kingdom. Does that make sense? Without the support of the work of the kingdom, there would have been a little birthday cake for these girls and a t-shirt maybe or a little apron for their baby. You know, a little bib and a cupcake. We love you. We'll pray for you. Here's a cupcake and a, and a bib. But no, there was support for the work of the kingdom. And as a result, these girls left endowed with gifts probably better than anything they received in their life. And the love of God went forth and it was absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah, we have to be able to support the work of the kingdom. And um, there are different ideas on what that looks like. There's different ideas on how that should play out. We all have a different philosophy on, well, it ought to be this way and maybe that way. And we probably have a bunch of different ideas. But I would suggest to you that God has a different idea on the way this should work. Now, I want you to imagine for a second, you going over to visit China. You go over to visit China and you have two pockets full of pesos you go to China, you got two pockets full of pesos, and you go down to Beijing or something, you go downtown, and you find something you really want, you really want to buy, you put it on the counter, and you're like, I want that. They say, okay, it's 100 won or whatever, I think yuan over there, and you take out your pesos, and you put them on the counter. Here you go. And they said, no, I'm sorry, we can't take that. What do you mean you can't take that? Um, that's good right there. And they're like, no, no, we only... We only take Juan over here. We don't take your pesos. Well, that's wrong. You should take my pesos. I want to talk to the manager. <laughs> manager comes out. They're not taking my money and I want to buy these things right now. Oh, like I said, sir, sorry. We do not take your pesos. You got a pocket full of pesos. You're going to have to leave with a pocket full of pesos. We only take one here. Even if we think that's wrong, even if we think it shouldn't go that way, even though we think they should do something differently, they would tell you, That in our kingdom over here, in our empire over here, there are guidelines for our empire. And the ruler or the government or the king of that empire decides what the economy looks like, amen? The guy coming over with a pocket full of pesos doesn't decide how the economy goes. The ruler does. The king does. It's the same in the kingdom of God. The king decides what the economy is. In God's economy, the king decides how the economy works. And if you and I are going to seek first the kingdom of God, we better get a little grasp on the economy of the kingdom. Now, I want to share this in the next five minutes. Tell somebody next to you, put your seatbelt on. It might get uncomfortable for a minute. When you talk about God's economy, again, we all have a different view, philosophy on how the economy ought to work. It ought to go down this way. I don't understand that. It shouldn't be like this. We all, we all got views, philosophies. I want to suggest to you today that God is the king of his kingdom. He's the one who determines his economy. He's the one who discerns how things work in his kingdom. And he decides, and he also decides if we're going to seek first the kingdom He's the one who lays out what that looks like. Not like, well, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do it this way. I th- God says, if you're going to seek me first, here's some steps on putting me first. I'm just going to show you. God says, I love you. I love you. I want to show you. These are some steps to seek me first unconditionally. Deuteronomy 14.23 tells us that the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. The purpose of tithing, it says, this is God's word, Deuteronomy. Purpose is to teach you to put God's first. This is God saying, I know it's going to be a tough one for you. It gets a little squirmy. I don't like the conversation. If you've been around a long time, we don't talk very much about this. But if, if we're going to make disciples this morning and we're going to talk about the kingdom and seeking first the kingdom, we just got to be real about this and not skip over something very tangible, a uh, tangible way of, of your kingdom come and your will being done And these are the ways we seek you first and your kingdom plays out, God. Your economy is right in the middle of it. We can't ignore it. And so, um, you know, the sixth point this morning is if we are in God's kingdom, we need to function in God's economy. If we're in his kingdom, we gotta go by his economy. If we don't, we're no different than the guy going over to China with two pockets full of pesos and saying, what? How come I can't, how come it's not working God's like, because you're in a different economy. I I got this economy here. I'm the king of the economy. I I lay out some things. This is a challenge for some of you. Some of you, it's not. Some of you, again, everyone's in a different place with this, but I know this topic is not a comforting topic. But I was told long ago that a measure of a good message is to comfort those who are afflicted. Comfort the afflicted. But at the same time, to afflict the comforted. And when we're too comfortable in the kingdom sometimes, just on cruise mode, just chilling out, then sometimes there's a little affliction we need, I think, to get us motivated, compelled for the glory of God at the same time we comfort the afflicted. In God's economy, we need to function. If we're in God's kingdom, we need to function in his economy. Seeking first this kingdom of God, according to Deuteronomy, includes giving God our first fruits. Would you say first fruits with me? First fruits is exactly that. The theme of first fruits runs through the entire Bible before the law, before Moses, Abraham. Abraham, there was no law. There was no law back then. Abraham was coming and giving to God his first fruits. Under the law, there was first fruits. They asked Jesus, the New Testament, the New Covenant, the Lamb of God, what about tithing? And he's like, yes, continue in it. Continue in it, he tells the Pharisees. But don't lack love and mercy. Continue in it. So this principle of a first fruits with God is a kingdom principle. It's a kingdom principle of first fruits. Tithe means 10%. And Malachi, I wanna read this passage to you. Now this passage, uh, Danilo referenced this earlier, uh, Malachi 3.10, but this is what God says about it. And, I, and I'm hoping to, um, some of you might say, hey, look, I'm just checking out the kingdom of God. I don't really know much about the kingdom of God. Do I have to do this to be a Christian? no. Salvation is a free gift of grace. You say yes to Jesus, confess your sins, step into his provision, you got heaven. Now, do you want to start walking as a son or daughter in maturity in the kingdom of God and experiencing this pearl of great price, this treasure? Do you you want to fully get and understand and get all up in the magnitude of the kingdom? Do you want to see God's kingdom come and his will be done? If that's your heart, then this is for you. I remember hearing this years ago and hearing this challenge uh, some 26 years ago. I heard this challenge and I'm thinking, I don't understand that economy, but do I have to understand it to walk in it? If God says it, I'm going to trust him and I'm going to walk in it, even though I don't understand it. And I'll be honest with you, I've spent the next 26 years understanding it because you'll never understand this unless you walk in it. An outsider looking in, you go, in my math and in my style, I don't get it and it doesn't make sense. But when you see the the kingdom and you see the treasure that it is and you want to walk in it, you trust God and you start to see some things and you start to see his hand and his blessing and his provision. You see his kingdom come and his will being done. You're like, oh, I think I get it now. I'm starting to get it now. And I'm still in that camp. I'm still starting to get it now. I'm starting to get it now. Malachi 3.10 says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I just want to summarize this. Again, if you've been around here a while, we don't talk very much about this. But if we're making disciples this morning and we're talking about God's will being done and his kingdom come, we can't exempt supporting the work of the kingdom. We can't just say, I'm not going to do anything about it. I'll just pray about it and step away. We got to engage. We got to do the works Jesus was doing. We got to start to participate in the kingdom in these kind of ways. If you are a disciple, it's a step of maturity. I don't know if you're there yet. I encourage you to trust God and what he says. God is saying, the tithe, listen to this, belongs to the Lord. It says it belongs to him. That rocked my world. I didn't think it did. I thought whatever I made, I made it with my time, my labor, and everything else. I really did. And then I started thinking, well, wait a second. Who gave me the ability? Who gave me the birth date? (laughs) Who gave us the capacity? Who put us in this city here and now? Who really did this? And you start to unwind the question. You're like, oh, God Almighty, the sovereign one, placed me here and gave me a capacity to do what I do. And it's supposed to be for his glory, by the way, if I'm in his kingdom, Okay, this is saying the tithe, the first fruit, the first portion, belongs to the Lord. It's called a first fruit. It's not a last fruit. Anyone who looks at this, like, let me just see what I get done with and check the end and see what I got left over for God. Maybe I can give them a tip if, I'm, if I got anything left over, is completely missing the whole heart of God and the kingdom and the first fruit. It's completely missing. It's a first fruit. It comes, it comes first. This says the tithe belongs to the Lord. It also says in the passage, if I I'll be completely frank and honest with you, God is saying, if not, it's robbing me. God, God's, don't be mad at Pastor B. God says it's robbing me. So I, if you go to a different church, you plugged in somewhere else, this message is for you. This, I don't want you guys to think there's a motive for a message here at Metro. This is the kingdom of God. I would rather share this part of the message somewhere else. I really would. I'd rather go visit another church. Let me like lay this down. It's a kingdom truth. I'd rather not tell you, but to become disciples, I got to tell you this stuff. This is the kingdom of God. If not, we are robbing him. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It says, bring it in, bring the whole tithe, don't bring part of, bring the whole tithe into my storehouse. The storehouse is the house of God. It's the place where people are fed. It's where orphans are blessed and leave with a stroller. It's a place where we make disciples and have schools of ministry. It's a place where the teens are taught how to be leaders for the cause of Christ. That's what the church is. It's the storehouse. And God is saying, bring it into my storehouse and here's why. It's the only way there's going to be food in my house. And we could say, well, why don't we just pray, God, poof, you just bring the food. And he'd say, That's that's fine, but I want you to bring the first fruits so there's food in my house. When people were on the hill with the Jesus fed the five thousand, he just didn't go poof. He said, No, we're not doing anything. Bring what you have. You bring what you have, I will bless it, God will multiply it, and then you'll see a miracle. Not just Just zap it, God. You could zap anything. Yeah, I could, but I'm not gonna because I want your participation because I want you to pray, my kingdom come, my will be done. And if you really want his kingdom to come and his will to be done, there's a participation in God's economy and the work of the ministry. He's saying the tithe belongs to him. If not, it's robbing him. Bring it into my storehouse. That's the house of God. It's the only way there will be food in my house. It's the only way there's provision for the mission. That's how the mission plays it. That's how the mission is uh, pushed along and moved along and, and supplemented and provided for. And he also says this, guys, and this is the only place in scripture. You can read this book from the front to the back. You're not gonna find this anywhere in the word of God except for here. God's saying, test me. God is saying, I dare you. I'm drawing the line right there. I dare you to step over it. That's God saying that thinking, wow, why would God challenge us that extremely? Because God knows where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And he knows how hard this subject is. For some of you, you're like, no, pastor, I already get that. That's already my lifestyle. But some of you are like, yeah, I don't know. And others are like, no way, no way. And I, want, I would encourage you to check your heart on God's challenge and ask yourself the question that I had to, whose is it anyway? Because I had to change my worldview. I had to change my mind. I had to change what I believed was truth. It isn't all mine. It's all God's. And if it is all God's, who am I not to give him the first fruit? The first 10%. Now, here's the beauty. That other 90% that he graces us with, he says he will profoundly bless it. Now, I will tell you something. With that other 90%, you are going to get so much more done. Listen, family you're gonna get so much more done with that 90% with God's hand on it than the 100% handling it yourself. Because when we take the 100% and handle it ourselves, we're no different than that guy with the pocket full of pesos who goes over to China and say, how come this isn't working? You're not in my economy. (laughs) It doesn't work that way in this economy. I love you. It just doesn't work that way. We don't transact. But God's saying, step over this line, test me. I'll show you how my economy works. And when you put God first, if God is for you, who can be against you? When you step into these things, when, when he told the Philippian church, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. You guys have heard that? People forget what came right before that. Everyone forgets it was a church who provided for the mission. The Philippians gave to the cause, to the mission. They, they, they gave a first fruits and they helped the mission of God move on. And Paul says, You Philippians, you get it. You understand first fruits. My God's gonna supply. But sometimes we read that and we don't don't understand the context. Listen, heaven is a free gift, family. You can't earn by favor with God, with Jesus or anything like that. But the blessings of God, how he wants to pour out his blessing in his economy is up to him. And as the king of the kingdom, he decides that, we don't. And I would just encourage you guys to take that, take God at his word. Rick Warren makes a couple of statements. We're going to wrap up in just a minute here. In fact, if the worship team comes up, this would be great. Rick Warren states it this way. I just love some of his phrases. Tithing is the spiritual habit of giving back to God the first 10% of all I make. If I say, God, I want you to be number one in my life, but he's last place in my budget, that's a contradiction. Our finances reveal the priority of God in our lives. We like to honor God with our leftovers. We say, I'll pay all my bills and once I've got everything paid and if I have anything left over, I'll give God a little tip. But tithe is the decision from the inside out, not from the outside in. Guys, this is something where you make the decision and then you simply manage it for the rest of your life. You don't make decision every week or month or see how you feel. The tithing is, God, if you're first, categorically, I, I believe your word, I'm gonna test you, God. And I don't know if you're ready to do that, but I just want to encourage you, no matter where you, if you go to a different church, wherever you are planted in the house of God, this is simply a discipleship step. You know, Christy and I decided 16 years ago that if we're going to be in debt to anyone, we're not going to be in debt to God. And so God always gets the first fruits. And we do this through our bank account. You know, bill pay, and most of us pay our bills that way. We automate before anything is done. We just, kingdom of God. It's, it's, your, it's not even ours. But if we took it and we played with it and then figured how many movies we could see or what we have left over, we'll end up with the same mindset. Maybe I'll got, give God a tip if there's something left over. But what I have found by giving God a first fruit, He opens doors for things. You know, God dropped a house on our lap, God gave us a house that rocked our world from a call we never even made. And we're like, what do we do? Who called? What? How did this? And then we we wrote an offer. We prayed and go, God, how did we even get to this place? We don't even belong here. It's like, it's crazy, cool, cool, like provision of God. And we're like, I don't know how it's going to happen. We prayed over our finances and we go, here goes. We wrote an offer for $200,000 underneath the asking price. You ask any broker, they'll tell you that is not going to happen in L.A., and by the grace of God, they said, congratulations, you bought a home. We're like, you've got to be kidding me. How? That, that is crazy. How does this stuff happen? I, I think the word says God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I think with the 90% left over, God can multiply. I'm a living testimony of that. Many of you share that story. I'm just encouraging you. If you've never stepped over the line, God's saying, test me. Because it's time for the church to be the bride. It's time for the church to engage in the kingdom. It's time for the church. Guys, Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus is coming back soon. You look at the world, you look at global affairs, you look at prophecy. Jesus is coming. I don't know the day or the hour, no one does. But if we're wise, we will know the seasons. We're living in a time where it's time to be all in. To say, God, your kingdom come and your will being done. And I'm not gonna exempt myself from partnering with your will being done. I just want to encourage you guys, these are all steps of seeking God first. It's not the only one, but these are some key ones. And I believe we're here this morning because our real heart cry of our heart is, God, we do love you and we know you love us and we really do want your kingdom to come and we really do want your will to be done. I want to challenge you in these areas right here. If you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, then it's time to step up as a disciple And say, I want to engage a little more, God. I'm ready. I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm jumping in. If you believe in me, you'll do the works. I'm ready to jump in and do the works and not just be a spectator of the kingdom and hope everything goes good, but engage. And when you do take that step of faith, you are going to personally see the kingdom come in your life in ways you haven't before. You're gonna see God's will being done in ways you haven't before. And that's really when it gets excited. So on that note, let's just close in prayer. Ask God to seal some things in our heart uh, this morning. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for your word, the power of it, Lord. Uh, I just pray, Lord, that we would be the kind of sons and daughters that just take you at your word. We'd be the ones that act on our faith, God, that don't just say we believe, but we would literally go, That's a pretty broad statement, God, but if you say it, I believe it. And you said that the church is something that you're building. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So show us, God, how we can build your church. Show us how we can partner with you in reaching more of the lost, like these orphan girls, Lord, who are having a baby. How we can help break that generational curse of, Value that they are valuable in your eyes. They are loved in your eyes. You have so many things, opportunities all around us, God, in this city. But it's gonna take rolling up our sleeves to say, God, I take you at your word. You say, test me, I will test you. I'm stepping in, I'm believing you. I wanna participate in your kingdom. I see the kingdom, God, as that pearl of great price. I see the kingdom as a treasure in a field. And Lord, if we don't, then I pray you open our eyes to see the beauty and the value and the magnitude of your kingdom because maybe, Lord, maybe we're not seeing it. But Lord, if we see it, I pray we too, like the people in the story will say, I want to fully get in on it and I will do whatever it takes to get fully in on every part of the kingdom and its economy and its ways and its power and its love. I want all in God. And so, Lord, I, I believe as many this morning that that's your prayer. If that's your prayer, would you, just, just, you can be sitting where you are. Just lift your hands up to the Lord and, and just just ask him. If, if you don't see the full value of the kingdom, just say, Lord, show me the full value of your kingdom. I, I don't fully see it. I want to. Or if it's a matter of trust, say, Lord, if it's, would you take my lack of trust away? <laughs> I, I don't want to not trust, but show me how to trust. I want to test you, but to help me how. If it's an area of not being connected with the body of Christ, with the church, with the bride. Maybe, maybe there's a, a fracture relationally along the way where something happened with you and the church and there's still a glitch. There's still, a, there's still something wedged in there. Would you say, Lord, would you remove that? Because you call me part of the bride. I am part of the body. I'm an integral part. And I just want to get rid of whatever's blocking me from full participation with your family. So Lord, I just pray that this would be a season where your sons and daughters would step in as a family. We'd love one another. We would love the world. We'd get in on your power, on your love, on your promises, God. We would seek first your kingdom. And as we do, Lord, your kingdom will come more and more in our lives. And your will will start getting done in our lives and to those around us, Lord. And there's a beautiful reciprocation that's gonna happen because that's your heart, God. We're just praying your will right now. So I thank you for the great things you want to do in our lives, Lord. Let it begin with us. Let it begin today. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.